We acknowledge and pay respect to the land and the traditional families of the Yugamba region of southeast Queensland and to their elders, past, present and emerging. We would also like to remind listeners that we are recording on stolen land and sovereignty has never been ceded. Welcome to Revolting Women. This is an independent podcast brought to you by four independent women. It's time to rethink, rebel and revolt. So, what do you think about the patriarchy? Do you want to destroy it? So, hey everyone, welcome back to Revolting Women. We've been away for a while now, as you might have noticed. We haven't released an episode in a while, but... We've just been kicked out of our last studio. Fuck you, Lion Social. Just kidding. Love you guys. No, no. we're so thankful, thankful. for Lion Social for yeah. helping us start this podcast and yeah. giving us all the skills we have. Yeah. But yeah, we're moving on. We're moving up. Things, moving up the ladder. Well, microphones. Watch yep. this space. <laughs> yeah, so I don't know if you guys didn't know before, but we were only recording with two microphones between four people. And now today as we sit in uh, 176. 176 studio, we have four microphones. Which is game changer. That's yeah. awesome. Huge game changer. <laughs> yeah, we hope you guys have been well getting through life getting into the winter months seasonal depression and all of that so i hope everyone does well good luck stay safe be good but lucky your favorite podcast is releasing an episode we're back baby (laughs) yeah so we thought we'd talk about some of the um current affairs that are happening at the moment originally when we were doing the planning for this episode a few weeks ago we were going to bring up the uh, prosecution of george floyd's murderer yeah, uh, it was like th- three weeks ago now, I think it was. Um, yeah, George Floyd's murderer finally got, um, I think it's Derek Chauvin, but he doesn't even deserve a fucking name. Um, yeah. But he finally no. got um, convicted and it's like one of the first convictions of a police officer for killing a black man, um, even though it's mm. um, occurred hundreds, hundreds and Probably even thousands, thousands tens of thousands. in America. Yeah, especially dating all the way back to after emancipation and, yeah. and things. But, um, yeah, it's promising that this has happened, but there's still a long way to go. Um, and hopefully we can see some of that justice here in Australia as Definitely. well because uh, there's been a lot of deaths in custody recently um, in the Indigenous community, which, um, yeah, is pretty pretty sad and, and pretty Yeah, especially exciting. recently it's been an influx of them a mm. lot more than usual and it comes at a time where last year we were speaking really openly and there was getting a lot of news coverage, especially after Black Lives Matter and I think people, it brought a lot of awareness to it, yeah. yet it's actually escalating at the moment and the sure. thing that people have to realise is that the police system or our um, is just another sort of form of colonial violence against Indigenous people yeah. Yeah. but is justified by the name of justice yeah. and so we justify it because we're like, oh, if someone commits a crime, they go to jail but yeah. they've been resisting colonisation since day one yeah. and this is just another form of oppressing them and silencing them and yeah. not and it's not justifiable either because mm. justifiable, <laughs> justifiable. it's not justified either because a lot of even young kids up to the age of criminal responsibility is still at 10 years 
old. It needs mm. to be raised to 14 yeah. still in Australia. Um, so kids as young as 10 are being chucked in it's the ridiculous. back of a yeah. paddy wagon and taken to jail For at sure. 10 years old. And that is ridiculous. So awful. And it just, yeah, it just enforces that we can't rely on the police because they're just another form of oppression on mm. Indigenous, on working class, on um, flash people. Definitely. But yeah, in more recent times, um, we've seen a lot of the Israeli and Palestinian, not conflict, <laughs> it is not just conflict. the awful things happening to yeah. Palestinians at the, the moment occupation by the and Is- the colonization by Israeli. the Israeli governments. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so Ruby Ruby knows a lot more about this than we do. <laughs> I, I wish I knew a lot more. Um, but, yeah, I think everyone's seen, like, a, a bit of it in social, social media, yeah. which is good, but it has dated back. It is annoying that it's taken so long to be acknowledged yeah. by, the, by the mainstream. There's so much censorship specifically towards, like, Palestinian people as well and their stories in this because, like, the US media, media Australian media, we all are in, like, support with Israel. So, like, mm, we're not going to be shown. Helped establish it as yeah, well. We've yeah, we've helped establish and it. build it um, as well and we're a part of that colonial operation too. So, like, we're not going to hear about it in our mainstream media. So it's really important that we are using social media to stay across these things and sharing things with your friends and sharing things on your story. Like, fuck your Instagram account. Like, just reach out to the people that you have that platform too and you can talk to them as well. And just share information amongst the people that you know and in your community too because that's the only way that these stories Mm. are really getting told right now. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a lot of good Instagram accounts that um, have been covering this for years and years. You can scroll back to so much because this has been going on, like Jazzy said, since post-World War II, since the 1950s. And um, it's getting a lot of attention right now, specifically with Sheikh Jarrah in, um, well, like, in Palestine slash Israel. Yeah, there's just been a lot of people being evicted from their homes. Yeah, so at the moment, the reason why we're hearing so much about the um, Palestinian and Israeli um, occupation is um, that the they've been sending out eviction notices to a lot of the Palestinians living in Shakhtar. Um, and, um, yeah, the, the Palestinians only have such a small amount of land that there's like 2 million of them living in 375 meter squared land. So this is them being pushed out and pushed further towards the sea, Mm. just, just being occupied by the Israelis. So then they're now even evicting Palestinians from their home um, and putting Israeli um, people within those homes just Mm. to occupy it even more and to uh, colonize, colonize it even more. Um, And yeah, there's, yeah, so they're protesting against it, um, which which they should, and they should be supported in that. And uh, the resistance um, is justified. Like, it, it should be justified when um, this, like, colonisation is occurring. Yeah, it's and just again, sad to even, look at. Even the comparison of the resistance, like, it's not an equal fight. It never no. has been, and we mm. all know that. Like, that has just been such a common point of discussing this as not a conflict but an occupation. Yeah. I think also a good thing to note here as well is the Israelis um yeah are funded by the US and also the Israelis the um, as well. the Israeli police train um the US police. So there is a lot of like correspondence yeah, between the sure. two mm-hmm. and it shows that type of um violence that is um in that police system and yeah. in this institution. And so if we're outraged by um how the US police are treating um, black people people or indigenous people within America, we should also be outraged. Looking at Palestine. Yeah, at this as well, because um, 
And it also comes at a time um, in Palestine when um, there is um, a large Muslim community and, and it's, it's Ramadan actually right Ramadan now. at and the moment. They're about to celebrate Eid, which is the end of Ramadan and it's yeah. a three-day celebration. And all of people are just dying, like their families mm, are dying yeah. in the streets. And this is always something that it comes back down to because people will see the issue as, oh, that's Muslim and Jewish people fighting which against each other, which it isn't. It is the illegal state of Israel and the Israeli government and the IDF that are perpetrating this violence and the colluding nations such as Australia, such as America versus Palestinian people who don't have an army like that. Like they don't, they only have what they've got. And there are groups that are Palestinian, um, I guess you could call them radical groups, but they are only fighting against the violence that is being perpetrated towards them. They're resisting it. And in their home and their families. And it's important to really humanise these situations instead of just seeing mm. bombs being dropped in. And mm. because it's so foreign to us to see that image yeah, and we yeah. would never be able to relate to that, we just exclude it in our minds as something that we can't care about when that's not true at all. And, like, For it's sure. really good to just keep talking about it. There's a few Instagram accounts that I'll just mention quickly that have been posting a lot of what's actually going on in real time in Palestine at the moment. Mm. Um, it's called Eye on Palestine. I think we'll just link them in the Instagram or something like that. But Eye on Palestine, Middle East Matters, Middle East Eye, Free Palestine, 1948, and just lots of good – and they all have, like, connecting people as well where they'll recommend you to other accounts and stuff like mm. that. So just good to get involved and start getting across everything that's happening over there. Because especially when there's censorship as well. Yeah, especially with the censorship. Yeah. Anyway, this episode, um, we um, this is part two to our last episode, which was on male fragility. And we're going to go off on that and talk more about the socialization into male fragility and um, then go further on and talk about some of the more extreme versions of hostile sexism that happens and misogyny. Yeah, so, yeah, like we did, we talked about um, last time about male fragility and benevolent sexism. Um, We also put out Instagram posts for you guys to um, interact with us, which was really important. And we loved hearing all of your views and what um, you guys understood as benevolent sexism. So I've got a few little examples just to get us back into thinking about what we spoke about last time. Um, Yeah, so you guys put, um, just for some benevolent sexism examples, you guys put things like girls being told well done for looking nice and putting makeup on and making an effort because these are all putting putting forward like uh, that you're fitting into the patriarchal standards of what men think we should be. So that's like a big one that's a very small, like minute thing that people wouldn't even notice. But those things do... um, They reinforce capitalism at the end of the day as well because it makes you when you get these comments all the day like good job for like dressing up and stuff it Mm. means you don't say that to a man (laughs) (laughs) and then what does that make you want to do you want to look nice all the time and it's about always dressing up and then that yeah you know makes you go out and buy a bunch of makeup and all the things that make you look nice and making you feel terrible for when you don't do those things as well because Mm. then you're always looking for that validation definitely and it just leads on to to different forms of sexism from there as well there was like one um, about there being dress codes where girls were having to shame their armpits. Um, comments when serving men at bars and cafes were a huge one as well. Just like those little comments or, um, yeah, having a dress code set for for women to fit into a patriarchal standard of what a woman should, a woman should be or something like that um, mm, were big sure. ones that we received. Just reinforces the gender binary as well with like that traditional idea of like femininity and those traditional ideas of masculinity even for people who aren't um cisgendered 
as well like yeah for sure but it's also like I have a few examples of myself even like at work and things when when like they'll come up and be like oh good girl or oh you did that so well or like and it's like uh, this is my job like why are you treating me like I achieved something for just doing it or like it's delicate they think that you're delicate yeah you're picking up a big box or something yeah and you're like good girl and I'm like here you go bud and they're like what reinforces they won't let me carry it for them because they have like this male fragility Mm, where they're like no I need to carry that because I'm the man and I'm like bro it's my job like give me a second (laughs) no that's awesome yeah I feel like it's little things like that and there was like quite a few of them in there um that we got like that it's just those little types of things of being put down Mm. um and reinforcing all of the gender stereotypes gender stereotypes and also men coming in to save the day like opening up the door for you and um just and little sexist comments and then getting like in trouble for not thanking them or like I think that's where it kind of leads to that benevolent sexism as well like if you aren't to thank them or if you aren't to appreciate what they do for you that's when the they start with the violence or they start with the hate or they start with the comments that are the complete opposite Mm -hmm. so it's like you have to thank them for being nice sometimes when it's just if it's they're really just doing it for nice etiquette like we're told they're just being nice they're just trying to be nice to you well then they if they're just doing it to be nice they don't need any gratification or acknowledgement for it and like what Jazzy was saying before we'll touch on a bit later in the episode about how quickly men turn on um, women in those situations as soon as you don't react in the way that they expect you to or react in the way that patriarchy has told us to then you are enemy number one and you are turned on completely um so yeah that was last episode and this episode we're going to start talking off um start talking off start (laughs) off by talking about um the history and socialization of um hostile sexism um, and gender-based violence, and then go into how there is now huge communities who follow um, an incel ideology and hostile sexism ideology. Um, we're going to explain who these communities are and how they form, and of course, we will be linking it all back to the patriarchy. And that's that. Enjoy, guys. <laughs> Throughout this episode, we will be discussing and covering topics that may be upsetting for some listeners. This is a trigger warning to let you know that we will be talking about coercive control, emotional manipulation and abuse, incel communities and their ideologies, and also briefly on the topic of sexual assault, neo-Nazis and concentration camps. Please tap out at any time and contact 1-800-RESPECT if you need to. Keep safe. So Um, so in this segment, someone's going to start off by talking about, um, like I said, the socialization of hostile sexism um, and also gender roles and heteronormativity and how they're they're formed. Yeah. So with what Ruby was kind of mentioning before with masculinity and femininity, these are socially constructed and made up and we have adopted these gender roles through socialization in our society and in Australia and around the world. So to get the ball rolling, I'm going to unpack the socialization into misogyny and sexism because every one of us has been socialized into our gender roles. And if we align with our genitalia at birth, we're cisgender. And I want to make that clear. So there's either cisgender or there's transgender and we are cisgendered women. So um, 
when we're born with our genitalia at birth, we are automatically um, adopted into a gender role of a man or a woman because patriarchy needs those gender roles to uphold capitalism and all of the pillars. But I'll get into that soon. Um, we need to know that gender is a social construct to understand our place in society and to understand that masculinity is not fixed nor is femininity. So these gender roles are just there for us to conform. So femininity kind of came about um, in the 18th century when the Industrial Revolution occurred because gender was a major influence on the worker salary. So women were thrown into the homes and not paid as much as men and men were expected to do the hard, long hours of labour. And the role of a man is to encompass masculinity. So masculinity is toughness, stoicism, lack of emotional sensitivity, domination. And that's not to say that men are multifaceted, but this conditioning coincides with the internalizing of sad emotions. And that is why men are the group of the highest rate of suicide. I found some research as well that tells us some risk factors from childhood that socializes men to be violent. Things like exposure to violence at home and in the community, poor family functioning, lack of services and social norms that condone male dominance and violence. They also begin to see entitlement over women in porn that misinforms kids on the dynamics of sex and pleasure. So all of these sorts of things um, at a young age has already conditioned a child, a young boy in their gender role to think that they have dominance over women or that women are weak. For sure. yeah, and cool. yeah, and oh, all cool. of <laughs> Sorry. no, so it's true interesting. That's so interesting. It is interesting, yeah. and yeah. it is good to look at that socialization as well. I think, and the fact that these gender roles do enforce like the hostile sexism that we're talking exactly. about, exactly, because men are made to feel angry and not to express their sadness, and then it comes out in forms of yeah. um. And when you and when you intersect everything when it comes to class, race, gender, um, socioeconomic background, culture, like there are so many um, things that do oppress marginalized communities, and that's why masculinity has become such a tool for power in patriarchy Mm, because violence. yeah, Yeah, because that's the only way that they can control people, and it's been shown in society through everywhere like that's how men Mm. are supposed to act they're meant to actually get angry and they're meant to hold in their feelings and imagine being a young little child and wanting to cry or wanting to learn like not even Mm. learning how to um treat women respectfully and stuff like Mm. they're just Mm. never really shown that the norm as well of like Mm. trying different things and like why can't children be afforded that opportunity yeah it's so constrictive and like it breeds all of this like for sure and And just that like even sorry no it's okay um just that like sex assigned at birth as well like Mm. having those fixed gender roles to have Mm. that masculinity connected to it and that femininity connected to it doesn't leave any room for them to be just who they are exactly so it's always forcing them to be something or do something yeah and with it for with this being a social construct as well it's like you don't have to be masculine to be a man. Yeah. You don't have to be feminine to be a woman. Mm-hmm. There yeah. is gender is not fixed on yeah. these two categories and that's sure. what we need everyone to know and you need to like look into yourself as well and just recognise that some of these things are just adopted from all of these behaviours are adopted from society. Sure. Um, and violence and aggression is then the only form of emotional expression men are accepted in. So once again... 
I'm going to reinstate that gender is not a natural fact, but merely social and cultural conditioning. Men are not born with hostile sexism. Men are not inherently violent and dangerous. This shit is learnt. But because patriarchy has been around for so fucking long, the social conditioning has and continues to be that men dominate politically, socially and culturally. Mm, Um, And the violence that they perpetrate is most commonly onto women. And often these women are from marginalised communities who face violence every day. And I wish I had time to unpack more of the statistics, but I'm sure there will be later episodes where we can. Mm, Um, It doesn't even take much research to see how common men's violence into women is. In 2020 alone, there was at least 44 trans and gender non-conforming people killed by men, majority black and Latinx women. One in four women with disabilities experience sexual violence, another form of hostile sexism after the age of 15. Mm -hmm. Women are not the only people targeted. People of many genders who do not fit in the cis male box are endangered and exposed to violence too. Yeah. Is that in America? Is that America? Yeah, yeah, that was American stats, but um, they're very universal, I suppose. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And hostile sexism doesn't just exist in middle, upper class, white societies. The treatment onto women is universal. And statistically speaking, it is cis white men who are most likely of all groups to commit sexual assault and violence. So we need to change the way kids are socialized into gender roles and allow them to explore their gender and identity freely. Babies born with male sex organs should not be restricted to masculinity and babies with female sex organs to femininity. It's everyone's responsibility to unpack and understand their gender role and how patriarchy is the source of this, how patriarchy gets its claws into us the moment we're fucking born. For sure. Um, If you even look at different um, cultures that have less strict ideas about gender roles and stuff Mm. like in Sweden and they have these preschools that focus less on gender, Sweden is one of the leading countries for gender equality. Like I think there's still quite high um, domestic violence and still a lot of racism and all of that. But if you look at like a few documentaries and stuff, I really recommend, I'll leave one in the show notes. It's a really cool. Is it that Vice one? Yeah. I I think I've seen it. Yeah. It was really really good. awesome documentary. And it shows you a world where we don't view gender so rigidly. Mm. For sure. And those kids in those preschools that weren't even brought up they were still brought up with gender roles, but these other kids that weren't, everyone was accepting of this yeah. because it was a normal thing within their society mm, to have. So sure. even if they do, uh, if even if they are a woman and someone else is non-binary, in um, Sweden, their language, they have a word for non-binary mm. or they have a mm. word for like other, which is different to non-binary in a way, and they use it mm. yeah, all the time. Yeah, it's normalised as well. Yeah, very normalised. Like yeah. they and them now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. and there's so That's many true. cultures and languages across the world even in like Pacific Islander regions as Mm -hmm. well, when they have multiple words for it Mm -hmm. and they have, you know, what means boy and what means girl and what means girl boy and Mm -hmm. what means boy girl. Like there's all these different variations for it. And it's just such a white colonial like thing to have it all. Gender binary. Colonial. Yeah, and it all always comes back to it. Like you just always (laughs) find it goes back to that. But this has existed for so many years and now white people are like, oh, what? Like yeah. people who don't conform to gen- – like and it's just been here yeah. for so long and existed in our world for so long and they're like, where are all these people coming from? And it's like, no, they've existed since the beginning of humans. We actually um- – 
was used as a generic term only a few centuries ago. We only started, um, it was used to describe people. So when we said they're over there to talk about either mm. a person, yeah. a single person, mm. it was actually was a generic thing. Yeah. And so it was only recently that we started actually gendering it. And it is with the rise of like what some were saying with the Industrial Revolution and capitalism, having those nuclear families and mm. having those set um, gender roles, meaning women are in the household and men are out working, having those set things definitely mm. changed um, what we consider gender yeah. and, and the roles that For sure. um, those but people language have. language evolves and I think that's mm. important is, oh, it's too hard to call them they, them. It's too hard to call them their new name and stuff. People have no problem calling women by their married names. <laughs> <laughs> they have no problem remembering yeah. that. So yeah. it's just And it's also like to look at where like what we used to say as well, like we've come so far with our mm. language. It's mm. so easy to pick up new sayings and new slang yeah. and if you start putting it in your everyday vocabulary you learn it and mm. you start to say it like if and it's the same goes with things that are wrong as well so if you keep saying these repetitive like derogatory bigoted terms they will continue to come up in your mind because you're continually using them or saying them and that's that whole thing around like changing your language and changing how you speak to people so and true. acknowledging people's pronouns Oh, always. Yay, Instagram as well for mm. making the pronoun feature. Yeah. No corporations, but Instagram, good job. No, <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, my pronouns is she, her, or they, them, because once again, with unpacking the gender binary and unpacking gender roles, I don't think that we necessarily all will always fit into one or the other or neither. Mm. And I think that it's just so important when we do talk about like the socialization into these gender roles that we don't, we, make men accountable for their violence as well because I understand that it might be painful for you to live your life without being able to open up and talk about how you feel and not learn what not learn like the respect for women at a young age and see your dad treat other people the way that you think is normal but it's now the responsibility and it's time's up and like we need to start taking this seriously and talk about your and think about your own gender role and how you have been like socialized into it if you're yeah, a man sure. or a woman because you don't have to fit into that and I want you to know that like you can be like you don't have to identify like that your identity is yours and no yeah. one else's for sure. And it would help a lot of men, I think, to know that they could um, live mm. outside of their gender role that is assigned, like that is they are socialized into. Yeah. Because if they did that, they wouldn't be so closed off. They wouldn't be so sad. They wouldn't find it so hard to sit with themselves or they wouldn't have this male fragility within them to mm. then go and enact this violence exactly. towards the wrong group of and people. And because they're allowed to get away with it as well because mm. of the normalizing and patriarchy and white supremacy. So they just get away with it. And the, it's just always swept under the rug and that's why we need to change the language because that is the starting point as well by respecting people's pronouns, by talking about yeah. how you feel and just opening up dialogue about yeah. this. Respecting people's pronouns is just the bare, bare minimum. minimum. Yeah. Like it's so easy, <laughs> honestly. Like, And it's just like, so, like, yeah, it's just so easy to do and you should just make the effort to do it. Like, And it, it doesn't matter if you mess up. You yeah, can't get it's important straight to away. Just, just apologise and correct yourself mm. instead of just being like, I can't do that. That's impossible yeah. for Ruby me said this in an episode earlier, but like it saves lives mm. yeah. to respect people and yeah, to sure. treat them and the way that they want to be. And they care about suicide prevention. Mm. Men, men, suicide prevention is one of the biggest men's issues I feel men talk about. Yeah. And this is suicide prevention. So get on board with trans rights because that's Bloody also oath. a part of your activism as well. We, we digress, yeah. yes, but sorry. it was good. We digress. Yeah. <laughs> 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 <laughs>
we're going to bring it back to Australian times and just like <laughs> fast forward Australia <laughs> sorry colonial times Australia yeah yeah because we live in Australia um now that Samara went over the socialization um I hope that made sense for sure the gender roles was a huge thing and that's something that I've learned um pretty recently as well mm. about like just relating the socialization and that to um this hostile sexism yeah. or this gender-based violence of men um, having to fit a certain gender role or mm-hmm. being, like, put into the, these kind of boxes. Sounds bloody painful. <laughs> sounds yeah. awful. Sounds I exhausting. Love, yeah, being someone you're not. Yeah. yeah. We love yeah. talking about We, we love, love complaining. We love gossiping as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's how we're all here. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, so now that Samara went over the socialisation, I kind of want to go over um, the history just within Australia of um, kind of the laws and policies that have been put in surrounding um, women's rights and rights against violence against women. There's so many amazing things that have happened over the years that like working class women and, and Indigenous women have fought for. I won't be able to go over all of the amazing triumphs <laughs> because there's so many. Um and it's it's sad that we have to rely on policies as well or, like, um, mm. having laws in place to stop men enacting violence on women. Mm. Um, but, yeah, so I'm going to start. Um, the first main one that I want to talk about is uh, in 1959, the Matrimonial Causes Act uh, means there was finally 14 grounds where a woman could finally divorce their husband on. So they still couldn't divorce it just because they didn't want to, but they could divorce um, them on the grounds of adultery, on the grounds of um, all, that, all those risks. Christian stuff. This? Uh, in 1959. 1959. So yeah, that- that's the thing is it wasn't that long. <laughs> it's pretty awful that women couldn't even leave their husbands unless there was a reason for it. Yeah. yeah. Only 14. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. That's what think of a million. <laughs> And there were 14 specific ones as well that you had to were have a lot of evidence put yeah. forward to a court. Where their lives are probably well. in danger or they're not feeling yeah. safe in their household. Mm. Like, yeah. what the fuck? But it wasn't even like that as well in this time. It was more like if they'd committed adultery, if they had sinned in a way like that yeah. wasn't um, upholding to the Christian beliefs because mm. a lot of the time they were – when they went to divorce their husbands, they were being like, no, do you really want to do yeah. that? What are you going to have? I think you had like, to see a priest and stuff like that as well. Something. something I'm, like I haven't looked into that. Oh that's yeah. why I would never to get married. with the priest because it was all like sanctity under religion and everything. True. Um, another one is in 1971, women were finally um, able to receive a loan without a male guarantor. So up until then, um, and that was fought for, for by a lot of women's liberation groups. It wasn't just granted to women. Um, yeah. They fought all of these. Yeah, definitely. Women had to fight for these rights. Yeah. Men weren't just like one day, oh, oh maybe we should <laughs> let them have a loan. <laughs> this is barely a right. Yeah. This is not a human right at yeah. all. This is not agency over your decision still. Yeah. You're being yeah. controlled. Crumbs. Yeah, for yep. sure. So 1971 was the first rape crisis center and then in 1976 um for the first time rape in marriage became a criminal offense so before 1976 um men could physically rape their uh wives um and that encompasses all every like sexually assault yeah but uh, it's crazy that it had to be like also a certain number of people this was happening to for a whole law to be put in 
to mm, stop this. Like sure. it wasn't just that it was looked down upon. It was a whole law they had to pass um, in the courts to ensure that um, men weren't raping their wives. Yeah. See, this is the thing about it as well. Like all these laws were put in place to keep women safer from men Yeah, when there was no repercussions yeah. for it. There's no backlash on the mm. people that are actually perpetrating it mm. at all. And they were usually husbands in the household. They're the person sure. that's closest to them. And it's also not like any of these um, laws had to be put against women. You know mm. what I mean? When yeah. they, when like, so all of these laws <laughs> no are having to be like to protect women, women because, yeah, men don't need protection from women. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. never killed a man. Mm. Sure. <laughs> Um, and then it wasn't until 1982 that uh, New South Wales introduced the Crimes Amendment Act, which included domestic violence. So that meant that women experiencing domestic violence in their homes could finally prosecute their husbands um, on a court of they hurting them, assaulting them, uh, enacting abuse on them. Wow. wow. Yeah, and that was just New South Wales as well, I think. Um, yeah. A few other states came a little bit later than that. Mm-hmm. Um, another crazy one that I found was in 2003, Tasmania abolished uh, provocation as a defence to murder. So that's meaning that um, men could say they murdered their wives because they were provoked. Oh, like obviously, that is still a trans issue now. Yeah, that men can get away or get less sentencing yeah. because what is it called? Um, it's uh, I can't think of the word, but that happens in either in murders of trans people. Because yeah, men will say, "Oh, I like, was provoked," I didn't know, or, they, or um, they shocked me. It's like a shock thing. Yeah, there should never be a reason. Yeah, so it, that wasn't until two thousand and three that that was abolished Did- in Tasmania. Oh yeah, two thousand and three. <gasps> so that was like. Uh, what, 17 years ago? 18 years ago. Saskia is shook. Yeah. That's you see her face right so now. Nice. I, was so I, I, was so, I was so shook. <laughs> I was so shook as well when I oh read that. Oh, my God, it's ridiculous. It's so sad. Yeah. And, like, it's just terrible that we have to restate all of these laws yeah. to come through to prove mm. a point. Like, yeah. <laughs> like, what? Literally. Yeah. When we say domestic violence is fucked, violence against women is fucked, people should just take that as it is, not have to reinstate and be like, life is what so about good men? for you now. Yeah. Like, yeah. This shit, like all these laws these, passed. We would still yeah. be living like that if women didn't fight for yeah. us to yeah. get a law protected against us. Yeah, and I love what sure. you said before about the fact that, like, why do men need laws <laughs> to stop hurting us? Like, why do they want to hurt us so yeah. bad? And it's these gender roles. It's this yeah. socialization into this hostile sexism. Yeah. And, like, these also aren't revolutionary laws. Like, they're very heteronormative. And they're white very white supremacist. Well, and, like, we don't rely on the system and the state a lot. Um, and we don't, like... I don't believe that these actually change things like these. Mm, for sure. It's also so hard. Like we talked about last time as well to actually prosecute someone on the terms of rape, yeah. on mm. the terms of sexual assault, on the terms of especially when it become, becomes like husband and wife type of thing because there's especially that mental that. manipulation as well mm. where um, gaslighting, coercive yeah. control. Coercion, yeah. And so that all doesn't get covered by laws and that's why we can't rely on them as yeah. well. But it's just crazy. And I think that definitely created a shift in society so that hostile sexism wasn't as prevalent and now we see benevolent sexism and that smaller toned sexism but it's still there Mm -hmm. it's still perpetrating in it um it perpetrates like online and in these communities and um when men get together they don't 
talk about, talk about like what men are doing uh, to mm. women. They talk about how women are terrible yeah. and they're, terrible. they're taking away their rights and they're, they're doing all yeah. of these things. But these laws wouldn't have to be put in mm. or these um, policies or even just like thoughts that women have against men, they didn't come from nowhere. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. They came this from men came from enacting somewhere. violence and mm. this fear came from somewhere. So if men want to sit in their groups and work up that women are just hating them or they don't hate them for no reason, they have to look at all these laws and they have to look at the things that have happened in the past mm. to be why or like to why realize are women why. complaining about this? Why are women talking about this? Yeah. Because that's the biggest thing is why don't why men think people they have a right to be, you know, you didn't go through this, you have rights. <laughs> like you don't live our experience. Yeah. I, I saw my 13-year-old boy cousin on the weekend who literally doesn't think women have rights. And I was looking at him and I'm like, you are a white little male. Like, what do you know about women? What do you know about what they go through? And this is the... And it's that socialisation into it because they're constantly surrounded by this patriarchal society that's always telling them you must um, be heteronormative, you must uh, fit into Mm. these gender roles, you must hate... Like you must hold these white supremacist views and all of that equals this hatred and equals this fighting, uh, this, this hatred against women yeah. and, and which leads yeah. to violence against women. Um, but, yeah, so we, we kind of just want you to get out of that. Like think about gender roles, think about um, how recently these laws have passed and how uh, they still don't do much in society and the fact that they have to be there is um, fucking sad for so, sure, for sure. Yeah. And even just recognising as well that we have white privilege mm. um, and a lot of the things that we do talk about is coming off of white privilege and we are yeah. so, like, lucky to be able to have these laws and policies and we're mm. able to feel safe but so many marginalised communities do not. Yeah. And that's why we're on these mics today and every single day that's why we're working yeah. with feminism because all of these issues coincide with each other and so yeah. does yours, men. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The thing is, is if we're in danger, we can call the police and we'll probably be protected the indigenous people aren't afforded that same exactly. luxury yeah, sure. and so that's how that sort of intersects in a way there's power sure. dynamics and power ba- imbalances everywhere so in this next segment we're going to talk about how this violence manifests in real life hostile sexism and so we'll be talking about gender-based violence especially in regard to i guess the violence that women face every day in hostile ways and then also go into some of the subcultures that have emerged and Mm. including incel culture and how that infiltrates into the wider community especially in regard to influencing I guess just like average men and radicalizing them into violence as well and it, it interrelates with what um, was spoken about in segment one of how men were and men are socialized into these heteronormative um, binaries of masculinity. Yeah, so um, gender-based violence is one of the most common instances of um, hostile sexism. And so it happens on individual levels, including physical, sexual, verbal, emotional, and psychological abuse, and usually comes out with threats, coercion, and economic or educational deprivation, whether occurring in public or private lives. And so even just on another level of it, and I think it's really important to talk about these things as well, because a lot of the time, I especially got this growing up, whenever I'd say I was a feminist, a lot of men would be like, 
why do you why are you a feminist like you've got it pretty good here a lot of women have it pretty bad over there but feminism is about fighting for the rights of all women Mm -hmm. and so it's not just about what i go through as a woman it's about what every single woman goes through including trans women black women women over there including so things you know um hostile sexism is child marriage it's female genital mutilation it's honor killings it's trafficking for sex or slavery intimate partner violence physical punishment, sexual, emotional, and psychological violence. It's violence that every single woman faces. Mm. For sure. And it transfuses as well into like more of an, if we want to then compare that with our Australian context with domestic violence and how much it is prevalent with women in our society. And I think it, this is the statistic for women in our age group is that our leading cause of death is being murdered by our partner. Like that is the number one cause of death for women in our age group. And that's ridiculous. Like that is crazy. And people wouldn't even think that that's something that is even on the radar for, you know, that for our life's prospects and things like that. But that is the number one cause. And it's just ridiculous that we're even having to compare situations as well and saying you, they have it worse. They have it. Like we want, collective liberation for everyone and Mm -hmm. it's not about just bringing like what we've spoken about a lot before on this podcast about not just you know taking some white women to the top it's about bringing everyone there as well and not even going to the top but bringing everyone to an equal playing field as well Mm. and we do definitely recognize our privilege but it doesn't mean that we just stop fighting now that we have things better it's about recognizing the fact that a lot of other women don't actually have the same rights that we do or access to the same services or mm. protection in some manners sure. from our services yeah. as well. And in I, Australia as well, there's different levels of that. Like there is First Nations women who do not have the same access that we would have if we were to want to mm. find a refuge or go to these specific services that are created to help women who are escaping these situations as well. So, yeah, for sure. Yeah, so um, we put out on our story a while ago about just online violence women um, face. And so obviously domestic violence is one of those things that obviously we can say is a direct and obvious version of gender-based violence. But a lot of abuse that I don't think women realize they face is just on a general, even everyday life of dating online and stuff Mm. or dating in real life too is just this um, online misogyny that happens and especially in the form of rejection as well how quickly men will turn on women which is what we touched on previously Mm. of like how men will just turn their tune so quickly and just as soon as a woman says something that they don't like or rejects them in the slightest way online on tinder and bumble and instagram and even in real life as well it's the same and Um, they will just turn so quickly with insults like i didn't want to fuck you anyways or you're fat you're ugly you're this you're that and it's like that's meant to be the insult like yeah. I don't want to have sex with you is the insult as if like women have that so much dependence on um, yeah. their value to a man so like true. as well which is what pushes them to get that way because then they realize that they've been demasculated I suppose by this idea of them associating sex with power and having that entitlement as well for sure yeah and so when we reached out to even just our small online community within the revolting women Instagram community we had like quite a few people respond with just the what they face in general with rejection and so a lot of the times these women have um will just be like no sorry I'm not interested or sorry I have a boyfriend and a lot of the times the reaction is men just completely turning on them and starting to verbally abuse them and then even just on a and there was this um, one girl who who showed us these screenshots of what a um, guy said to her when she obviously just showed that she wasn't interested in him and the first thing he jumps to is after showing he was interested in her he replies with 
oh, you're a five out of ten. Just oh. just labeling or labeling like over the number. It's always about physical appearance and and after it as well. They I've, always pick on that. Definitely, and it's obviously not one of those extreme forms of violence, but it still just shows you how misogynistic men can be if they're not getting sure. what they want. Mm. And I think that those calling those kind of things out and recognizing that it's not your fault that a guy is like saying that to you or it doesn't mm. actually represent who you are as a person or representative of your beauty even either mm. and it's actually men being so socialized into misogyny and trained to always get what they want and if yeah. they don't they lash out that For male sure. fragility within them is like oh i've got to make her yeah. feel bad yeah, yeah. and if you I have to make her bad. feel how she made me feel like yeah. because their egos are that fragile and their their masculinity is so fragile yeah and even when you ha- think about it a little bit deeper as well like a lot of people may identify as non-binary or people could have a different sexuality and it's always just like this heteronormative idea that women or non-binary people need to like Conform. Yeah, yeah, conform, conform to and be femininity. Nice. And, yeah, and be nice and to be the men. And, yeah. Mm. yeah, and it's dangerous to role. do that, like to not do that actually, sorry. It's dangerous to not conform. Mm-hmm. For sure. Yeah, for sure. So another listener that also reached out to us um, from our Instagram stories as well was talking about her experience with her ex-partner who had, um, had the, the violence was so bad that it was cl- classified as attempted murder pretty much. And when she was at the police station making her report, she was told by the police officers, are you sure you want to press charges? This could ruin his life. And it's just ridiculous that this is the thing, like women's lives are being put at stake and women we know, and it's so easy to just misconceive these instances are so far away and that happen in a traditional family home and like all of that stuff when it isn't always the case as well and that happens to women our age and women in our demographics yeah definitely it's really common everywhere and even that police officer being like this will ruin um his life it just shows that the police are there for that certain yeah, type of person. Yeah, without as well. acknowledging that it's already ruined her life, yeah. or like yeah. really impacted yeah. that person. So like, and because it's not always just the physical violence that leaves trauma; it's more likely the emotional abuse and mm-hmm. emotional um, domestic violence is so prominent in Australia, mm-hmm. and. that's really important to note as well yeah recommendation for the week i'm watching this tv show called see what you made me do on sbs it's currently running and it talks a lot about um domestic violence in australia specifically and things that are happening right now and something that was really interesting that i pulled out from i think one of the first episodes is they talked about coercive control which is like the thing that males do or like men typically will do in those emotionally abusive relationships and they will have this coercive control where they it's heard of it's also you may have heard it as gaslighting as well as a word that kind of Mm -hmm. is a synonymous with it but this is the original term And it actually came from World War II where there was in the um, Japanese concentration camps, they had taken, they had captured a bunch of American soldiers and they had been brainwashed into communism and that's like what the term comes from because the Americans thought that these prisoners of wars had been brainwashed or had this brainwashing device when really um, the prisoners were had had this coercive control manipulation tactic used on them and that's where the term comes from and now we use that to describe these emotionally abusive relationships and it goes back to literal 
like prisoners of war being having this manipulation technique put on them to believe something that they don't like fundamentally agree with or they know isn't true like they know this because they're obviously fighting against communism like we're not going to get into that yeah but that's where the term comes from and i think it was just so interesting that they brought that up yeah definitely because it also um once you leave that um, emotionally abusive relationship you still um reap the consequences of that for the rest of your life because it really um it just breaks you down as a person Mm -hmm. and i think that you know you can recover from like scars and bruises and things like that but you can't recover from that well you can but it still is it's it's really hard and it really affects your relationships for the rest of your life and Mm -hmm. it's important that that is prosecuted as well because i think it has been criminalized but to actually be prosecuted as well and taken very like seriously yeah yeah yeah, so we're going to go into detail now. So obviously that's uh, those examples of, I guess, online dating and domestic violence and, I guess, gender-based violence is something that we all can sort of relate to, even if it's on one of those um, smaller-scale incidents or the larger, more dangerous-scale incidents. But I feel like it's something we can all relate to. But we really want to go into the topic of incel culture, which is something that's emerged um, over the past couple of decades, and just talk about how that actually infiltrates into men help men's help groups mm-hmm. and it radicalizes even really young boys and so um do you have a definition of incels did you want to um, so go into that is a well technically now it's um technically now it is classed as a terrorist organization or a terrorist group so the definition of an incel is a terrorist group that fundamentally hate women and so the term itself actually comes from the Mm. words involuntary celibate so they uh refrain from sex but not by choice it's because women don't like them it's because they aren't um, attractive enough and they compare themselves to the chads of the world like chad is in like the muscular romantic guy the who gets all the women guy. the zach efron the, the zach efron yeah, yeah. Think of zach efron. <laughs> i don't know why he gets my mind he's a chad for sure <laughs> but yeah like that whole like typical persona that of uh, like a you know a man who gets like heaps of women mm. and you know is loved and attractive all that stuff and an incel is obviously the opposite of that there's lots of really good um resources actually on youtube that you can watch that talk about incels and there's one i think called i'm an incel ask me anything and it really gives a good insight into where this comes from and what their beliefs actually Mm. mean and it genuinely is like fundamentally because women like they uh, have this rejection from women yeah but um it actually took them a while to actually just admit to how much misogynistic these groups were because these men actually would murder men too and so some of the extreme cases like um elliot rogers and some of these yeah. extreme extremists who have gone out and create um done Terrorist, these acts, yeah. acts of terror and killed these women and men um a lot of the you know the government and stuff would say oh they're not a terrorist organization or this is an explicit misogyny because they're killing men too mm. but the whole point of their ideology is the fact that they blame women for not giving them things like sex yeah. and attention but also they blame these other men for sort yeah. of being better than them yeah. and representing something that they're not taking the things but that they deserve that exactly they are, that they are they're taking they it they away from they them deserve. and they yeah. think that and that's um also so the whole point of incels is the fact that they think that, that women owe them sex yeah. and so they blame women for not getting them 
I heard this sentence in um, one of the things that I watched, and they said, incels are the result of men losing access to women's bodies. Exactly, um, definitely. Equals the violence that is inflicted. And there has actually been six mass murders since 2014 by men who identify as incels, with obviously a mixed amount of victims with genders and stuff. But majority of those um, victims were women in those circumstances too. But um, what who Saskia mentioned before, Elliot Roger, was um you Sorry, might recognize Samara. Roger, not Rogers. No, it's Rogers. <laughs> it is Rogers. It's Roger. Oh, it's not Rogers. <laughs> Samara is not related to this Roger. <laughs> Roger, not Rogers. <laughs> so yeah, Elliot Roger <laughs> was the Isla Vista shooter, and you might remember his name because it was quite um It was a huge story. It at was the a time. huge story in the media, so it was a mass shooting that he perpetrated. And he was actually and he's praised in the incel community as well mm. like he is like looked up to as one of their biggest martyrs for the cause and like definitely he um before he did his atrocious act he published a manifesto of his life detailing mm. what led him to this point and what he believes should be the outcome for the future and like pretty much like a incel manifesto mm. to um and put it out into the world which explained his whole actions and everything like that and i'm just going to read a small portion of the conclusion women represent everything that is unfair with this world and in order to make the world a fair place they must all be eradicated a few women would be spared however for the sake of reproduction these women would be kept and bred in secret labs there they will be artificially inseminated with sperm samples in order to produce offspring their deprived nature will slowly be bred out in the bred out of them in time future generations of men would be oblivious to these remaining women's existence and that is for the best if a man grows up without knowing the existence of women there will be no desire for sex sexuality will completely cease to exist love will cease to exist there will no longer be any imprint what? of such concepts in the human psyche it is the only way to purify the world oh my god and it, obviously oh, he's not well gross. like obviously yeah, no, he's as not. he's writing his parents this, he's not in a therapy yeah he's not in, he's not in a good state of mind he obviously went mm. and committed a horrendous crime afterwards but the fact that people in this community aren't condemning him or yeah. what he's saying says so much about these underlying ideologies mm. in them like they yeah. believe this shit too yeah, like for sure. you can't be a part of a cause it's i like it's you just can't be a part of a cause and not condemn this stuff definitely when he's talking about being an incel in the manifesto mm. as well like it's just ridiculous most muslim people condemn the acts of isis yeah. and that's what's so frustrating about you know people thinking that all oh, muslims mm. are terrorists and stuff because yeah. they do condemn that because that mm. does not represent their religion and their beliefs as a whole oh, and it's the same i guess with christian beliefs and the christian radical groups and stuff if you actually look into what their actual fundamental beliefs are these extremist groups do not actually align with that but the thing is is with the incel groups is what makes them so dangerous and you might hear that and think oh like that is very like extreme and it is it's a very mm. very it is the mm. most extreme version yeah. of misogyny, misogyny yeah. the most extreme and obviously you know the average fucking joe doesn't <laughs> like, think like that he's not just like oh, send no, the no. women to the you know, camps. Camps. Like, yeah. we don't know yeah that's but- the thing. <laughs> Do we really know? Yeah, true. No, though. You, like, never know you never know. You never know. And that's why women are always pre- fucking protecting oh, themselves. Okay. So there's a lot of so there's people in these incel communities that, like Ruby said, they love Elliot Roger. 
they, yeah, you know, live for him and really it's biblical, like, what they believe. And the thing is, is so what happens now is so these incel communities, there will usually be in the Manosphere, which is pretty much this online <laughs> communities of, you know, Reddit or um, 4chan and all of these other random online forums that are, aren't monitored by, you know, Facebook. Yeah, um, they don't have any guidelines yeah, or any strict things. They exactly, have to follow, and so, so they can say whatever the fuck they want. Yeah. And then so on these forums, you'll find that, that that's where they communicate with each other and spread their ideologies and radicalize themselves. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of these um, threads will be, how do I rape this woman I yeah. know and get advice from all these men yeah. of how to actually rape a woman mm-hmm. or how do I kill them? Yeah, they're self-described as men who have bottled up feelings and then they have these outbursts. Yeah. That's literally a self-description from one person who's really deep inside the incel community. Yeah. And you know, it's funny. What? what gender's a social construct so literally everything that they've been thinking yeah they're, they're just making it up like yeah. everything that they think is fixed in their nature is not real yeah, definitely and they're using it as an excuse and then this mm. is where it also gets really dangerous is the fact that there is so if you talk about more online communities even on facebook and stuff there's a lot of men's help groups yep. and so a lot of men with normal fucking problems the problems we were talking about earlier yeah. about you know bottling up their feelings never being able to express themselves having marital issues Mm. they will go to these um online men's help groups and they will be getting help from other men but yeah the incels no they (laughs) infiltrate through these groups and spread ideologies in really subtle ways and so i found this it was an article on this guy who was in one of these forums and at first he felt that he um was getting help from these groups and so what he said to this reporter is that despite being socially progressive for most of his life, he had been drawn to the incel movement anti-feminist message um, because he felt resentment for the way feminism seemed to be blaming white men for everything. <laughs> and so he had an experience of how his dad was treated and then also then felt unfairly, I guess, treated. Anyway, and so he said, and so one of his statements was, I was grateful for the community to be raising points that affected my father and my life. And they made great points about how society expects men to be emotionally reserved. And so this is a lot of feminist rhetoric as well that, you know, these men's groups don't actually, they blame feminism for them problems. But when feminism actually talk about these issues of, you know, men need to open up and talk about their feelings and Mm -hmm. not be so restricted in the gender binary. It's easier to blame women than blame the patriarchy yeah, exactly. as well because it's and an themselves. easier fix for them yeah. to blame like a certain group that's in yeah. front of them instead of systems that have been mm. there for quite a while yeah. that and are they oppressing already have them. Privilege as well, so yeah. they're already sitting in this privilege of white privilege of Definitely. male privilege. Yeah, yeah. And so this guy spent two years in the community, but gradually he started to leave it because he got to the point where everything seemed to be about taking down women or minorities rather than helping men in the areas they face discrimination. And so he realizes the reason he didn't get radicalized into committing acts of violence is because uh, since he was a very private person, he didn't seek out much advice. But other men who do lean on these communities for emotional support end up being prone to falling further into the hate-filled environment and they end up being radicalized into doing these acts of violence. And so he's an example of someone who's entered this group for self-help, hasn't invested too much time into it, so doesn't rely on that for his you know um the full support and yeah validation and then but it shows how other men who do invest heaps of time into that and are filled with all of this incel Mm -hmm. ideology of extreme misogyny Mm -hmm. end up getting radicalized into it and leaving being these 
full on woman haters. Yeah. It's just like when we talk about, you know, that that bottom pyramid, the bottom of the pyramid when it's like, you know, like sexist and misogynistic jokes and stuff. Um, the reason it is important to call it out when you hear it and stuff, especially in group settings of men, is because of the fact that they need to hear it from someone. And mm. most of the times if they are going to these groups and it's being reinforced that it's okay, they're never actually having – because they don't say it in front of women or people that they know will condemn them for it. Yeah. If they're never hearing someone pull them up for it, then they're never going to hear it and then that can radicalise them or it does normalise it because you don't know what's happening in someone's home life or what they're doing Definitely. personally. And yeah. Obviously, you look at the statistics, they're a lot higher than what they actually are of, you know, domestic violence and um, – sexual assault and stuff and so and like, it is really important and just have these spaces to just talk about what they want like why do they have to bring women into it and definitely that entitlement that they have it's like just insane and they're socialized into this behavior so much of what you guys were talking about previously with gender roles and that macho entitlement mm. that men seem to have over women in their bodies as well and it just goes back to patriarchal conditioning as well and that they feel this entitlement and the like three components of this like manifestation is definitely like entitlement shame and insecurity and like mm, all of sure. those three things combined like will create this environment where they have to act out because that's the only way they've been told to mm. unleash their um fears and their emotions and stuff is physically and like women mm. want to help men get to that point of being emotionally stable and emotionally intelligent as well but at the same time like men need to understand that their intersectionality of being a man provides them privilege in this space and they need to start recognizing that women are being harmed and oppressed because of this across all forms of intersections within women too so yeah, yeah no for sure definitely. that's definitely really important to talk about and that's why I also just wanted to bring up because I didn't see really any news coverage of it this year but basically there is this far right old extremist group at the moment in Australia and it's I when I was looking into research of it it's everywhere every single state and it's called um the National Socialist Network and they basically are these neo-Nazis and basically just some of the few things that they've done this year is on um the 26th of January which invasion day um a group of up to 30 balaclava clad men gathered at the um gurry word and chanted white power slogans while burning a cross and this happened in new south wales i think um so traditional owners are critical that no action has been taken following the incident which they say involved rocks being defaced by painting um swat stickers illegal fires in the national park illegal camping and the burning of a cross at the lake so it comes as authorities warn of a growing number of young australians being um ensnared in racist supremacist and misogynistic ideologies and then so another issue that came up as well which relates back into misogyny is so this Melbourne-based neo-Nazi group, which is under that same National Socialist one, not Socialist, sorry, <laughs> oh yeah, National Socialist Network, yeah. um, called on its followers to go on a prowl for Jewish women and gang rape them to breed out the Jewish. It's so-called Operation Ashkenazi Strange. The neo-Nazi group urges every honourable white man, national socialist, Klansman, skinhead racist to go out clubbing in Jew area, Clawfield and Elsinwick, and seduce sexy Jewness and breed out the Jewish race with alpha um, 
Aryan Australian power. Oh my god, that's so. Bad. And then as I was researching more into it, literally so many cases of this. This is all this year, and I haven't yeah. heard anything about that. And it shows you that intersection yeah, is because that's our real all, threat. Like, that is, that our is threat. Like, literally hundred percent. Like our threat is not like Islam or anything. Yeah. Like our it's threat white is white men. <laughs> Literally yeah. though. Actually, even on Q&A the other day, um, I was listening and there was this woman on there that actually works within classifying what is terrorist groups. And she was sitting next to um, a Christian lobbyist for, um, oh, the, I don't know, it's one of them. Yeah. But um, the one that has a lot of money that supports a lot of um, uh, people that are being accused of like rape and yeah, things okay. to get back into um, the society and stuff, which is just disgusting. But she was sitting next to him and, and they were talking about terrorist groups and she goes, well, actually, um, you're the number one terrorist, like uh, white <laughs> men are the number one terrorist groups yeah. within Australia that's at so this true. moment. And that's only just being started, like yeah. started to be recognised. For sure. And the thing wow. is, is that they're all a part of the alt-right. And of course, yeah. you know, not every person with who says, oh, I'm a righty or whatever, <laughs> or like, I'm conservative like they don't yeah. have these extremist views of women of you know different races religions but at the same time you have to condemn it if you yeah. don't truly believe in it and the thing is with all these alt-right things this is not a case of your politics or your beliefs this is a case of women dying of mm. you know Jewish women being threatened in Australia yeah. of these like what mm, this is crazy and it's interconnected. This is the first time I'm even hearing this from you. Like, yeah. and we're in these spaces as well that should be talking about this stuff as well. And it's mm. so it's hidden within our media and within yeah. our society because it all once again is run by white men. Yeah. Exactly. So why would they promote the idea that they're to be feared? Because they because, fear monger in yeah, the media. They sure. always have with different with yeah, you know the, the, the boat people, the asylum yeah. seekers. Mm. It's all to fear monger yeah. people into these you know white supremacist beliefs because they don't want to think of white men as terrorists as these women haters of these people that are uh, able to commit these really atrocious acts but they have been all throughout mm, history they're yeah. the number mm-hmm. one um, public enemy number one for women for marginalized community <laughs> everything like, literally. and it's really really <laughs> sad but the in, but the whole thing is even with incel communities they have they follow the some of the alt-right um extremist beliefs as well especially with the great replacement theory which yeah. is what i was saying before about how they want to they blame um people of color for not having rights or something even though they do have rights and there's this whole ideology that is extremely very racist and the incel community the extreme ones to believe in the great replacement theory as well and so yeah it's all modeled off um like third rack like it's all modeled from that like it's not just come out from nowhere and they haven't just pulled this out of this their asses like it's been all modeled from hitler's like plans and all of yeah, that stuff like in the aryan race and yeah i'm um, going back to that and it's really scary especially seeing how much it's emerging especially in today but there is that huge crossover of um misogyny and racism so it's really important to bring that into mm. fact as well like white women are being threatened in um their grand schemes yeah because white women also serve those gender roles for them too exactly mm. But then they also attack women who don't fit into that. Fit into exactly. Yeah. Yeah. I hope that all made sense yeah. for everyone and how the um, the socialization, I guess, interconnects with these greater sure. these real are, life examples. Yeah, of and it's good sexism. to just kind of understand these extreme versions so you can recognize. I guess what these kind of signs are of the pathway to this entitlement and to this action of violence from these entitled feelings and things like that as well. Mm. And how we still need to be wary of these men's spaces and stuff. It's just not disappeared because it's not in front of our eyes. Like it still exists there. We've just been excluded from the space so that it can manifest 
to a greater extent as well. Yeah. And the uh, biggest important thing about this is also the fact that a lot of young boys are being radicalized, especially school, because they have access to the internet. And so while we might not be um, like people in our generation might we haven't seen it as much a lot of young boys and laura bates she talks a lot about this and she has a book about why um, men hate women and she talks a lot about this um so a lot of young school boys actually will be radicalized into incel ideology and that's something that is probably a very future problem that could really excel and so it's important to realize that how you're socialized into like toxic masculinity and gender roles the gender binary but also how you can be socialized into these really radicalized beliefs because yeah. it's dangerous and it's happening now. Definitely. Yeah, news.com's not writing articles about young boys being radicalised into mm. themselves. They're writing articles about a fucking, you know, 11-year-old who wants to, who identifies as the gender that they didn't assign at birth. Yeah. And so now the parents are fucked and the parents should go to prison and there's all these people commenting on all of these articles about just, yeah. like, it's like, it's there's, not actual, there's no threat yeah. in that. Like, there's it's actual crazy. violence that is being perpetrated and we're focusing all of this, like, energy and this you know, public disgust into things that are just normal for someone to want to do and to have yeah, control especially when it's all a construct, well. like Samara yeah, was saying. Exactly. It's not normal to want to hate women and kill them. Mm, exactly. <laughs> for sure. So to conclude, we would like to just bring it all back and make sure that you're kind of up to date and up to up to scratch with everything that we've just been explaining to you because it is a lot but it is just so important to talk about um the biggest thing that I would love to reinforce is that men women and non-binary people are all affected by patriarchy Mm -hmm. and social problems impact all members of targeted groups it doesn't have to be this way and intersectionality is how we deal with social justice problems like racism sexism classism ableism heterosexism transphobia homophobia that's why we need to reshape what masculinity is Mm -hmm. and show that it can be expressed in a healthy way Mm -hmm. and that positive way yeah and that men can be themselves and it's not always easy to look within yourself, unpack your traumas, unpack things that have impacted you in your life because I'm not saying that these white cis men are privileged in their exact environment. Well, they're privileged. They're just not discriminated based yeah, on. exactly. And there's a huge difference. It doesn't actually um, – it's not an um, obstacle. Mm. Exactly. They haven't yeah. faced all of these obstacles that all marginalised communities and oppressed groups do mm. face every single day. And when we do talk about – um, mental health and um, incarceration rates and things like that. Like these and are all- paternity leave as well. Even the lower issues that mm. don't involve, um, you know, extreme outcomes like males, men should, husbands or the non-gestational parent. So the parent that isn't giving birth necessarily um, should get paid paid sure. leave. Like they should be able to also have time off work as well and be able. The family should be all in that situation mm. together. It shouldn't just yeah. be a man going back to yeah. work. Yeah, and, and like we need to change these laws so that it will benefit both genders. Like, yeah, or, or, or no gender. Yeah, as and well. when we look yeah. at like incarceration rates and things like that, like how the fuck is women putting you in jail? Like how is this women? <laughs> it's soul? just other men. Like yeah. it's other men yeah. doing it's it to you. It's the system doing it to you, and not women. This is what we want to reinforce force is that we are not trying to fight amongst small minorities or people against people but it's the system against all of us because Mm. it's built this way to oppress us and that's why we 
care about your issues, but these aren't the feminism issues that we need to focus on because yeah. you're like misogyny is killing people. Like it is killing innocent people and they don't deserve this treatment Mm. and we need to stop it at the source and socialising kids into this kind of like behaviour is what gets like what Mm. changes and what impacts everybody in their lives. And with intersectional feminism, like being a man in our feminism is intersectional. Like Mm. it is a part of our intersectional feminism. We know men have had these adverse effects from patriarchy and we want that liberation for black men, for indigenous men, Mm. for neurodivergent men, for differently abled men, for gender non-conforming people, for trans men, for the working class, for immigrants as well. Like these are the um, intersectionalities within that as well. And in the same way, but we also need to recognize that men also need to support unite and listen to intersectional Mm -hmm. feminism to understand yeah Yeah. to understand how their intersection of being a man allows them a different set of privilege in the same way that we need to acknowledge that our whiteness and our upbringing and our able body this allows us a certain amount of privilege as well Mm. and we talk about that a lot and i think it's pretty easy to um go off track and not it's like you know you feel like you're being attacked in those situations Mm. when we say like you know white men and you know causing all these problems and stuff but it's about you know about depersonalizing it and just looking at the bigger cause and then also looking at the role that you play in this yeah Yeah. i find that if you are offended by something like a generalized statement like Mm. i hate all white people i hate all men then you've probably done something wrong to feel so offended (laughs) by it i have before Mm. yeah i've had moments where i've felt really uncomfortable with things and i've had to really look inside myself to realize why i feel that way Mm. and uh, i feel like it's something that i've seen in other people when i've said things before mm, that have yeah. really made them feel uncomfortable and so they've lashed out at me but it's it's a generalized statement and it also means there's room for improvement for everyone to do yeah, better yeah, be exactly. better and recognize their privilege and make a better word yeah. <laughs> world yeah. Yeah. and this is like the whole thing that coincides with white supremacy as well like it's white people's responsibility to mm. um, dismantle racism and to do anti-racist work and it is men's responsibility to protect in the way where they're not conforming to these stereotypes and these norms. Stop blaming women for your problems. Yeah, it's not your fucking wife's problem or your girlfriend's problem for why... That you you cheated on her. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) you don't stay at home with the kids or you don't clean up, fucking fix that shit yourself. Yeah. Or why you're upset or suicidal or... Depressed. It's patriarchy. It's patriarchy. That's the thing. Women are constantly having to deal with their own... Even if we reflect back on what we're talking about with domestic violence, women still have to then set themselves up and create these safety situations Mm -hmm. for themselves Mm -hmm. where they... Just one thing really random and interesting that I found is that there are safe rooms in shopping centres where women can meet with their domestic violence counsellor or support worker. Oh, my God. Because that is the only safe place that they can go to meet with someone where their partner won't know. And, like, it's just ridiculous that we are having to now create all of these insane and just, like, so covert and things to tiptoe around men and to protect ourselves from them. And when – what the fuck? Like, yeah. Yeah. Seriously. We're not here to protect men's feelings or mm. white people's feelings. And, you know, while we might sound a bit aggressive sometimes with the way we say things, it's not meant to, you know, Offend. make you feel like shit. It's yeah. meant to just make you look introspectively. And it doesn't mean that we haven't felt that way before yeah. either. Yeah. But yeah. don't fight back. Just accept it and do the learning.
Thanks for listening to this episode, episode six of Revolting Women, halfway to 12. (laughs) (laughs) Half a dozen eggs. (laughs) 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 We're we're excited to hopefully get back more on track with a bit of more of a schedule and um, get more, you know, run along of episodes Mm. consistently now that we have our new studio space. Once again, thanks to 176 for letting us use it. Yeah, please follow us on Instagram. Keep in touch already. with us. Yeah, if you don't already. <laughs> Subscribe yeah. on all platforms. Leave yeah. us a review. It helps people find us. But, yeah, that's it. Have a great week. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> all right. See ya. Okay, pause. Thank you for listening to this episode of Revolting Women. We hope you were able to learn at least one new thing from us today. Please subscribe to us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts and leave us a review as it helps more people find us. You can follow us on Instagram at Revolting Women Podcast or click the link in our show notes. You will be able to find the sources we referred to in this episode today. If you have any feedback, questions, episode topics, want to open up a discussion or come onto the podcast, we would love to hear from you. We would like to take this moment to also state that we are not the creators nor pioneers of this information, and our aim is to build upon the pre-existing teachings that have informed us. We say thank you to the Black and Indigenous women of colour, LGBTQIA communities, activists and trailblazing feminists that have fought so we could thrive. If this episode has brought up any triggering feelings, please know that our DMs are open to you. You can contact mental health services such as Headspace, which is a free Australian youth-based service at 1800 650 890 or Lifeline at 131 114. Remove the stigma and reach out. See you next episode. What's wrong with that?